You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Humby Savetta. For those of you guys that weren't with us last week, well, you missed out when we started our series called Tribal Rick, Spirituality of the Walking Dead. So we've been talking about The Walking Dead, uh, which is a TV show, if you guys don't, haven't heard of it before, which is all about looking at what the world would be if the zombie apocalypse hit. Um, basically, the zombie apocalypse is once people start turning into like these reanimated corpses and walking around. And what they do in the show is they're called walkers. And when these walkers bite or scratch someone, somebody is also infected with this virus that's spread across the world. And then they turn into a walker themselves, uh, something that is completely overtaken by this dark world, having lost everything that made them special. They basically um, are a shell of what their old selves used to be. So that's kind of what The Walking Dead is all about. So as you can imagine, in this world, there aren't a lot of rays of sunshine or silver linings or anything like that. But at the end of the first season, we actually found one in the series. And what happened was that uh, the tribe that we're looking at and the tribe that we're looking at trying to survive in this world is Rick's tribe. They actually heard that there was a CDC building, the Center for Disease Control. Um, and what they did is they... Uh, heard that there was a safe zone there, that you could go there and be safe and it was all good and everything was great. So they get there, get to the CDC, and they're banging on doors trying to get inside and they see a security camera like turn and look at them and they're pleading and begging to get inside. And finally the doors unlock and they get in and for the first time in months and months and months, they feel safe. And when they start talking to the one person that's there, it turns out that he's a doctor and he's still trying to find the cure for this virus that's spread across the world. So as they continue to talk and, and learn from him, they learn some more about what's going on in the world and, and they get a chance really, the, the most important thing they do is they rest. They get a chance to go in there and feel safe. They have warm beds, warm showers. How about that? They hadn't had that in a while. They also get to enjoy a little bit of wine and, and some good company and just really feel safe and rested. But just like most things in The Walking Dead, uh, most good things in The Walking Dead, they don't last very long. Uh, you see, the CDC was running on a backup generator for all of its electricity. And when that gas that powered all the electric generators uh, ran out, the building was set to self-destruct. And it wasn't just like any kind of like self-destruct where they just kind of corrupt all the, the computer systems and whatever. Because this was such a dangerous place, uh, that ha housed so many crazy and uh, nearly eradicated diseases in the world, what they ended up doing was this would actually explode. This place would blow up. And it would, the kind of explosion it would have would actually vaporize everything in the building or immediately around it. So as you can imagine, Rick and his tribe needed to get out. And as they were leaving, they find out that the doctor that was trying to find a cure just said, hey guys, I'm, I'm just gonna stay here and get vaporized and uh, you know, I'd rather be here than, than out in that world and, and deal with any of that. And really he made a permanent fix for a temporary solution which was dealing with his fear at the time. Now, after the, as the tribe is leaving, Rick's tribe, the doctor grabs Rick and whispers something in his ear. And later on we come to find out that it wasn't necessarily the zombies that are spreading the disease, but really what we find out is that every single person in the world carries this virus, everyone. Nobody is safe from it. 
And it's not just a, a thing that we're trying to run away from. We already all have it within each and every one of us. Now, this is a lot like the world that we actually live in today. Except in our world, the disease that we're all dealing with, it's not like some sort of crazy virus or anything like that. It's sin. And it's something that we all carry along with us. As soon as we give into it, we stop living. As soon as you stop living, the disease of the world takes you over. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. And many of us have stopped living. Sure, I know you've got a pulse, and I know you're breathing and upright and moving around and all that stuff. And yeah, you're alive, but you're not truly living. You're merely surviving. And when we're merely surviving, we can fall into three different categories in our life. You see, the first one is the herd, which you'll see a picture of them right there. A big herd of walkers, just aimlessly wandering around, following the person in front of us. Nobody really seems to know where we're going or why we're trying to get there, but you're just following through. You know, noises and shiny things catch the attention of all these walkers, and what ends up happening is there's one noise at way ahead of the, the group that starts happening, so one walker kind of starts walking there, and the walker behind him goes, oh, well, that guy's going there, so let me go and follow him, and so on and so forth until an entire herd is all moving in the same direction. They're basically just chasing down the next urge or the next feeling that they have every single time. And that's what can happen to us in this world. When we're too interested in the next thing that's happening um, from in pop culture, when we're way too interested in what's happening in our world of Snapchat to pick our heads up and look around at what's actually happening right in front of us, we become enslaved to our routines, living a mundane, unsatisfying life. And when we shuffle from one day to the next without enthusiasm or energy, we just become part of the herd. And when we're part of the herd, we have completely conformed to what this world says is right and what is wrong. So that's the herd. The next thing that we can fall into is hurt, hurting others. And in the world of the walking dead, there's no one group that exemplifies this more than the wolves. That's kind of like the de facto leader of the wolves. Anytime you have like something going on in your face, you're probably a pretty bad guy. Um, so the wolves. So these guys are a lot like Rick's tribe, the, you know, the good guys that we always see every week. They're a lot like them. They're just banding together, trying to survive, trying to get supplies, just trying to make it in this crazy, crazy world, except for one huge difference. With Rick's tribe, they go and scavenge supplies. They do everything they can to do things like the right way. But with these people, they don't scavenge for anything. They show up and they kill and they murder and they imprison people for their supplies. That's how they go about surviving in this world. As you guys can tell, that's probably not the best way that you should be living your life. And in a lot of ways, this group is scarier than any herd of zombies because you can kind of walk around a, a herd or you can distract them or, or whatever and, and you understand exactly how they work and what they're thinking at all times because they're not thinking very much. But with the wolves, they're cunning. They're trying to hurt you. And you can't easily avoid that. You have to like outmaneuver them. And that's when it gets kind of scary. In a lot of ways, they are far more dangerous than any group of walkers. And in this world, we can fall into hurting others. It's not normally in a physical sense, 
but we have a lot of ways where we can hurt people in our personal and our professional lives. We can use people to fulfill our desire for companionship or even for sex, and then as soon as we get what we want, we cut off that person when we don't need them anymore. We can lash out at our spouse using anger as a weapon to wound. Uh, We can manipulate a friend or a family member to get them on our side or to get them to do whatever it is that we want. We can take advantage of our coworkers to try and leapfrog ahead of them for a promotion or to get that little extra bonus, just to name a few of the ways that we can hurt people in this world. So that's hurting. The next thing is hide. And in The Walking Dead, there's one group that exemplifies this the absolute best, and that's the group, the tribe of Alexandria in that little community. You see, as a zombie apocalypse hit, a senator and her engineer husband decided that they would put up a giant wall around their upscale uh, subdivision in rural Atlanta, kind of out in the country. So they did just that. As you can see, the walls are huge, right? They're like 20 feet metal walls that are reinforced with steel beams, completely and absolutely walkerproof. Not only that, they set up some solar panels inside of the the place so everybody has electricity and they also all run off of like a well water system that digs in to the lake that's in the middle of their of their community so they've got like everything taken care of they don't have to worry about going outside except for like random medications here and there and for the most part they've lived their lives completely insulated from the outside world they still have things like potluck dinners they still have like their best friends hanging out next door swinging on swings kids are still playing and in front yards. Heck, kids are still playing video games with each other in in this community. And when Rick's tribe, who's been out on the road and been dealing with the world for their entire, uh, for the entire zombie apocalypse, when they show up on the front door of these people from Alexandria, they are like worried for them because they don't, they've never dealt with the world. And they know if the world ever encroached their lives in any way, shape, or form, it would literally devour them. And that's something that we can actually see played out in our own lives. And really what you end up seeing it in is in a lot of church cultures. You see, people will go to church and then hang out with their Christian friends and then go see a Christian movie and then go to a Christian bookstore and then send their kids to a Christian school and then because they went to that same Christian school growing up and then they end up hanging out with the parents of the kids that their kids go to school with and then it just kind of continues to to have that cycle and they just insulate themselves further and further to where at the end of the the month by the end of the year they haven't dealt with any part of the world whatsoever that a lot of us have to deal with and a lot of us have to live in and for the most part there's nothing really wrong with leading a life like this except that they're not really helping anybody they're kind of like doctors that refuse to, to treat people. It'd be like having the cure for the zombie virus in your, in your possession and refusing to share it with anybody because you don't want to go outside of your house. That's exactly what this is like. So today, this is what our big idea is all about. Our big idea is don't herd, hurt, or hide. Help. Don't herd, hurt, or hide. Help. So, In Help, we'll look at the character of Morgan because nobody in The Walking Dead in Rick's tribe exemplifies this idea of helping others than Morgan. 
You see, because in Rick's group, they all have a line that they won't cross for helping someone. And that line is normally people that are harming them or trying to harm them. Whereas with Morgan, he doesn't care. He believes all life is precious. Even the lives of the bad guys like the wolves. Even the ones that hurt, steal, and destroy. He still feels like there's redemption for everyone in this world. Because he's someone who was so far removed from being a normal person, probably about as bad as you can get, even by that world's standards, and he came back from it. So he feels like if he can come back from that, anybody can come back from where they are. So in this world, truly living, truly living in our world is helping the world and avoiding these three groups. So remember, don't herd, hurt, or hide. Help. So how do we go about staying alive in this world? How do we attack the mentalities that we can develop and lead us down a path of not living? So when it comes to the herd, we'll start at the beginning. We'll attack the herd right now. It makes me think of Romans 12 too, which says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So when you find yourself getting way too caught up in Christmas shopping and you're thinking about like your Black Friday things and how you like push down that grandma to get that toaster that you needed that was like three dollars and then it broke of course like the first time you used it. Um, don't, Don't worry about things like that. Or if you find yourself like getting way too deep into trying to figure out if Glenn was alive or dead and you spent like 25 hours online looking up spoilers and reading comic books and things like that, instead of doing those things, remember this scripture. Let God transform you into a new person. Now, one step that you guys can take in getting away from this and being transformed into a new person is by getting baptized. We talked about it uh, in our announcements. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. When you guys go and get baptized, what you're saying is, I don't belong to this herd anymore. I belong to something far greater. I'm a part of God's family. I'm one of his children. And that's the proclamation that you make when you go and you get baptized. So if you guys are interested in doing something like that, go to the back at the end of this service, get signed up. And I know some of you guys are worried, you know, it's kind of cold and whatever. I don't want to get baptized in the water. We're going to have our heaters fully going. It's going to be like a, a nice warm bath. Um, you know, so after services, if you see Doug sitting in the, in the tub with the margarita, just keep on walking. It's what he does, you know, after hours. It's okay. So go and get baptized, guys. That's the first step, really the biggest step that you guys can take to separate yourselves from the herd. Now, when it comes... Uh, to hurting people and turning away from the things that, that hurt you. I, I know what I've heard a handful of times when, when people hurt you is, is, is there's an excuse or there's a reason for you hurting others. It's like, oh, well, yeah, that guy tr- came to hurt me, so I hurt him back. Or, yeah, you know, I've got to hurt people at work in my office because, you know, um, it's kind of eat or be eaten, right? That's kind of how you have to live your life is... is um, strike first or be struck. And then for some people, you're like, yeah, well, you know, I've got to be kind of mean in my house because that's the only way things get done around here is if I'm kind of mean and hurtful towards them. But then when things get done, we can all be cool and relax and and it's all good. Well, as, you know, kind of, 
I've, I've heard these things and I'm thinking through it. Romans 12 uh, also came to mind for this. It says, instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. And the first way we can conquer evil is by understanding that our anger and our drive to hurt others comes from within ourselves. It doesn't come from somebody else necessarily. They don't put this anger to harm them in us. It's something that we're already walking around with. And we have a handful of core issues that when not right can come out and harm others. Now we could have unhealed wounds in our life. You know, we just have all these terrible things that have happened to us and we've never dealt with them. So as soon as anybody kind of like just rubs up against that wound, we just lash out and kind of go crazy about it. We could have uh, fears in our lives and kind of in the same way, when we get pushed into that fear, we're, we're afraid, so we start kind of like fighting like a, uh, a caged animal or like a cornered animal, you know? Then when we have pride in our lives, if we get, get that pride stepped on or it's harmed or we feel disrespected, we feel like we have to back up that pride and we have to protect that pride. Or you have, could have unmet needs in your life that just put you in a place that makes you angry and ready to harm anybody that comes around you. So if you find yourself in the middle of any of these I want you guys to know that we have a place that you can go and start dealing with things like that. And it's called H2O. It meets up every single Thursday night. So guys, if you have any of these hurts or hangups in your life, show up there on a Thursday night and they'll get you going down the right path to deal with this hurt. So the next thing that we, we talked about is hide, right? That's, that's the third way that we're not living in our lives. And for those of you that were with us last week, you got a chance to hear my story. And in my story, hide was what I was doing. I got a call from God, but I was too afraid to, to go and follow that call because I was afraid of failing God. So I hid from it. And in, actually in Matthew 25, he, Jesus has a great story that explains dealing with this fear of stepping out and, and using what God has given you. And it starts off with a nobleman who's been chosen to be king of his country. And what he does is he's going to travel far away to get crowned by all these different people. And he's going to come back later. So what he does is he has three servants come up to him. And he distributes all of his riches to these three servants. He says, hey, take care of this for me while I'm gone. So for the first servant, he gives him ten talents, which at that time was uh, a unit of weight. That's kind of what they weighed it. So he hands him 10 talents. Here, take care of this uh, for me while I'm gone. Then the next guy, he gives five talents. Take care of this for me while I'm gone, servant. Third guy, hey, take care of this one talent for me while I'm gone. So the, king, the guy leaves, gets crowned, comes back king. And when he comes back, you know, he's expecting to get his money back that he shared with his friends. That's, we've got some wind up here. It's crazy. Um, so... As that's going on, he comes back, and when he's talking with these guys, the first guy comes up and says, hey, king, guess what? I turned these 10 talents into 100 by investing them. You know, I opened up a restaurant, and I got some good things going on in the stock market. It's all good. Here you go, 100 talents. The king is super pumped up about it and says, you know what, dude? You're going to have 10 cities that you're going to be the governor of. How about that? Cool. All right. Next guy. Five talents he was given. 
Well, he comes to the king, he says, king, guess what? I turned this into 25 talents, right? How about that? This is awesome. Multiplied it by five. So the king goes, okay, cool. You multiplied it by five. You get five cities that you're in charge of. And then the last guy that came up with one talent comes up and says, here you go, king. Here's your one talent back. I took it and I buried it underground and I took care of it. And here it is. You got it back just the way that you gave it to me. And when the king deals with him, he's not super excited about what uh, he gave to him. And let's read about it in Matthew 25. He says, you evil, lazy slave. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should know, you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And when I returned, I would have received my money back with interest. So take this talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. So this parable that Jesus told in the Sermon on the Mount was an illustration that we should not be hiding our talents at all. We should be taking the gifts that our king has given us and taking them out into the world and multiplying them, right? And one of the easiest ways for us to multiply our talents is by helping. Now, the parable of the talents isn't the only, way that, the only time that Christ talked about something like this. He mentions this in Matthew 5.15. He says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father." So use your talents, guys. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to get across. When you have your burning bush moment, it's not just that one moment. You see, God isn't going to call you to do something and then hang you out to dry and just go, oh, yeah, you can figure it out, bro. You got it. No problem. He's going to not only call you, he's going to equip you in all these things. So we should have no fears, no anxieties left, knowing that God's going to call us and he's going to equip us. So together as a tribe of many tribes, let's change what our city looks like. Let's change what love looks like from Christians to the outside of us, right? You guys with me here? So the easiest way for us to start this is by what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. Next week, we're showing up with coats. Guys, bring these coats in. We, we've got 100 uh, set up and promised to an elementary school and more promised to a middle school. And not only that, we want to help give coats to people that are in our community and within our congregation, within our own tribe. So next week, show up with your gently used or new coats, guys, because it's so important that we're bringing this. And then the week after that, we're going to be bringing in food for people in our area that need it or people within our tribe that need it. And then the week after that, we're going to be bringing Christmas gifts. So for some of you guys, this is going to be the easiest way for you to start helping. This will be just like the most fundamental, simple building block for you to start helping out in this world. For others of you, you're going to need to do something else. And what that might look like is uh, serving with one of our teams around our campus on a Sunday. Um, now, our first team that I'll talk about is our live production team. They're the ones that are in charge of our lights, of our sound, and our video. They kind of like are the unsung heroes. They always sit in the back and nobody ever knows what kind of job they're doing until something gets messed up and then everybody knows exactly what kind of job that they're doing. 
Um, not that that happens often. <laughs> so that's the first team that I want to talk about. The second team is kind of like our hospitality team. That's our welcome team, our parking team, and our cafe team. Now, those are the people that helped you uh, find a parking space. They were probably the guys that were like wrestling with Santas to make sure that they weren't parking in any of your spots back there this morning. Um, which, you know, when you, when you got like reindeer back up, it, it's just really not fair. Uh, so yeah, they were the guys that were dealing with that. They were the ones that were serving you coffee next door right now in the cafe. And they were the ones that helped you find seats here in the theater. And really, they helped you find seats next door. So that's our hospitality team. The other team that we have is our kids city team. Now what they do is they get a chance to hang out with our kids and really the best part of it is they get to share the gospel with our children. They get to explain Jesus for the very first time to some of these kids and really um, help our future, help the future of our church, help the future of our community through what they're doing there. So we've got three fantastic places that you guys can go and serve with us here and it's just a, a really fun way that you can do it. So for some of you guys, your talents are, going to be, are not going to fit in, in what we have going on here on a Sunday or even some of the groups that we have going on during the week. Your talents go far beyond the reach of what we can do here through our church. And if that's you, go do it, guys. Get out there, take your talents, and multiply them in this world. We're all going to have a lot of different roles here on this planet while we're trying to work for the kingdom and that's okay. That's good. The, the more diversified we are, the better. Now, for some of you, you're still trying to, like, figure out what your talents are. You're still trying to figure out uh, what, what your sweet spot is. And for those of you that are, that are kind of like that, you're in luck. Because uh, my main man, John Pyle, has a great relationship uh, with the people from InstinctiveDrives.com. And what they are is a company that gives you a personality test and gives you a readout that reveals why you do the things you do, what drives you, and what you need to operate at your best. Now, having information like this could be huge for you in your call and trying to figure out how you fit into everything. Now, there are plenty of biblical examples of people using this information uh, for the best. And one of them was Moses, like we talked about last week. First off, he got his call, his burning bush, his literal burning bush. And not only that, though, his name, literally in Hebrew, it means to draw out, which is exactly what he did with the people of Israel, with the nation of Israel, pulling them out, drawing them out of Egypt. So he had all these things in his life that were uncovering that he was able to understand that helped him uh, with, his, with his calling. So through this relationship that John Pyle has with this company, we've been able to secure 200 free tests for our people here at City Church downtown. So that was a, a really exciting thing. And we have, we'll have a link uh, to this on our website. Our Facebook should have it posted already. We should already have the link posted on our Facebook page right now. So as soon as you guys get home, go and do this. It, it's something that's going to be worth your time. Uh, now, real quick, I just, I kind of want to keep it real with you, all right? So we're just going to keep it real, real, real quick. Um, you know, I'm on social media like pretty much everybody in here, and I've seen that a lot of us will, you know, take a quiz from time to time. Uh, some of them are like, what Disney princess are you? Or, uh, you know, um, what tree are you? If you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? Or like, what Sex in the City character are you, right? I, I've seen all these quizzes, and, and 
a lot of times it's just kind of like a fun, silly whatever, right? Um, so before you guys go and figure out what Ninja Turtle you are, uh, I'm Raphael, by the way, in case you're wondering. Before you go and do that, spend some time taking this test. It's only going to take a few minutes longer, and it's going to be something that's going to help you in your life, really in every single function of your life, not just necessarily your spiritual life. It's going to help you out in your workplace. It's going to help you out with your family. When you understand yourself better, it's going to help you everywhere. So guys, go and take this quiz. Go and take this test. Can, can I just see like a lot of nods that you guys are with me here and, and, and hearing me? Go home, take this test, because it's going to help you incredibly. Now, I've talked to you guys a lot of, uh, about a lot of like very practical things and, and given you a lot of steps to take uh, to continue on your walk and after you hear your burning bush and, and see uh, your calling in your life. So why should we do any of this, right? I mean, that, that's cool and it sounds great, but really, what's the real reason why we should be doing this? Well, let's listen, listen to what Jesus had to say uh, when talking about things like this. He said, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Now, when you look at Jesus' life and the way that he did love us, he's basically asking us to shoot for the stars, Right? Because he was perfect. He did everything right. His entire life was literally helping everyone. Not only was his life helping everyone, but his death was helping everyone. Because when he gave up his life, when he sacrificed himself, he took on all the sins of the world. And through that, today, we don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. We don't have to like, you know... Um, go do all these crazy things to reach a relationship with him. All we have to do is simply believe in him and that he did, in fact, die for us. That's it. And he did that for us. There was no, like, great benefit that he had out of it. It was excruciating. It was hard for him to do that, to sacrifice his life. But he did. So if there was any of you in here that have like never, that's never clicked in your head before, this relationship and, and how easy it is to, to get it. If you've never gone through that before and you want to, uh, I wanna give you guys a chance to, to do that right now. So I just ask that everybody would kind of bow your heads. And um, for those of you who want to enter into this relationship with God, I want you guys to pray something like this with me. Father, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for helping me by sending someone who listened to your word and then they pointed me towards you. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your tribe, to be a part of your family. I thank you for the sacrifice you made for me and right here, right now, the best way I know how, I accept it. I accept that you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you. Amen. Now for the rest of us, I just want us to kind of keep our heads bowed here. And we're still trying to live our life. We're still trying to avoid the herd. We're still trying to not hurt others. And we're trying not to hide. If you guys want to do that, if you guys are trying to avoid these things, I want you to pray this with me to yourself. Father, I ask you to continue to help me stay alive. I don't want to be a part of this herd. I don't want to be a part of this world like that. I don't want to hurt people. And I certainly 
don't want to hide from this world. I want to help you help this world. Let the talents you have given me be used and be multiplied. Thank you for everything that you've done in my life. I love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.